Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Good Monday. Welcome back to Locked on Buckeyes. I hope none of you have a case of the Mondays. Why? Because Ohio State is really, really good. I am your host, Kyle Lamb. This is Locked on Buckeyes. And we're going to talk about a really good football team today, folks. Some podcasts out there want to, quote-unquote, keep it real, and they're going to overanalyze everything, looking for a reason to make you feel like doomsday is right around the corner. I'm not saying a little bit of objectivity isn't good. I like to keep it real on my episodes. I like to keep it real on my podcasts. We want to analyze things. We're not looking to necessarily put the scarlet and gray glasses on all the time, but there are some times when it's okay to let yourself think about the what-ifs and just get excited about a team. And I tell you what, today on the episode, my goal is to tell you about just how good this Ohio State team is. I'm going to let you be excited because the analytics, the data, all of the things we're seeing from this team especially after the 38-7 shellacking of Wisconsin on Saturday, tells me this team is really good, and it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to act like you're excited about what you're seeing. We're going to do that today. We're going to talk about the Ohio State defense and the predator, Chase Young. Is he better than the Bosa's? I have an answer. I'm ready to say it. It's definitive now. We're going to talk about how good Chase Young really is. And also the Big Ten. This is an interesting Big Ten. Minnesota. I know their schedule isn't great. But are they? is it time to take Minnesota seriously? We'll talk about them. A suddenly respectable-looking Michigan team. And, of course, Penn State lurking around the corner next month. We're going to talk about all these things. Make sure... Of course, that you keep listening to Locked On Buckeyes. I want you to tell all your friends if you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do. Be sure to tell them about our daily platform here, five days a week. Send them to Locked On Buckeyes. Make sure they follow it. You can find it on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Or just say, play Locked On Buckeyes podcast on your smart speakers. Plenty of ways to listen. Locked on Buckeyes is sponsored in part by Buckeye Grove. For all the latest news, analysis, opinions, and insight on Ohio State football and basketball, please visit BuckeyeGrove.com. We're also sponsored by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye. Licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at JFQLending.com. And also we are here supported by GoBus. GoBus has over 40 stops across Ohio with popular destinations like the Hocking Hills, Mohican State Park, and many of Ohio's big cities. Visit them at RideGoBus.com or call 1-888-95-GO-BUS. 38-7, Ohio State beat Wisconsin on Saturday. It's not just the margin of victory or how impressive Ohio State looked. It's that we're seeing a pattern Every single game with this team right now. This game could have gone a number of ways. When you start off the game in rain where the quarterback is a little jittery. Side note, I don't think the rain affected Justin Fields all that much. I think he had some overthrows in the first quarter and early in the second quarter that 
were certainly preventable, but I, I kind of felt like it was more about the nervous energy, the excitement. You know, he was really into that game early, and I think he was a little pumped up, and you see this with quarterbacks sometimes. Joe Klatt mentioned it as as being weather-related. I actually think, and, and nothing against Joe Klatt, he's obviously probably the single best college football color commentator out there in the business right now. But I think he was wrong on this one because he was chalking up these high throws to weather. But you also see the high throws with quarterbacks when they're a little too amped up for a game. Sometimes they got to settle down, get into their footwork, and get the release point at a right angle. And I think Justin Fields was throwing high in the first quarter, not because of the rain, but I think he was just a little overamped. But for me, that made the performance that much more impressive by Fields and by Ohio State because I've been calling Fields unflappable, and he settled down into this game in the second quarter. He got into rhythm. There were a couple of drops. Some maybe weather contributed. Also, some of them just, uh, I think, taking away, taking the eyes off the ball, losing concentration. And I really, really like the way Ohio State started to play in the second quarter. It carried over into the third quarter. And, you know, again, credit to Wisconsin. They make that big play after the block punt. That pass from Jack Cohn into the, into, you know, down to around, I think it was the five yard line and they stumbled into the end zone. Uh, everybody was calling that a great pass, like he dropped a dime. I don't want to take credit away from Cohn because he still completed it. But to be honest, I kind of felt like he was actually throwing it to the outside receiver and he underthrew it. Whatever, whoever he was throwing it to, completed the pass, got within 10 to 7. And then Ohio State quickly answered, and from there, it, it just was a slow, methodical pounding by Ohio State. And this is what they do. Death by a thousand paper cuts. That's why Ohio State is really, really good. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not telling you Ohio State is good because I have rose, scarlet, and colored glasses on right now. I'm not trying to be a homer. I'm not trying to be a cheerleader, rah, rah, rah. You know, how about those Buckeyes? No, this is data-driven. This is analytics-driven. This is the eye test. This is the best Ohio State team I have seen in my lifetime. I've been watching Ohio State football since I was a kid. In the mid to late 80s is when I start forming recollection, when I start forming memories, especially in the early to mid-90s. I remember those times very well. I remember the Cooper years in, its enti- in their entirety. I remember the Trestle years in their entirety. And of course, the one year of Luke Fickle, as well as all the urban years. That's my frame of reference for Ohio State football. I've seen a lot of talent come and go, as as many of you have as well. Some of you remember into Earl Bruce years, and even some more of you remember all the way back into the late Woody years. My frame of reference doesn't go back as long as some of you, but I can tell you that in the years that I can remember Ohio State football, This team is absolutely right up there with any of them. I've mentioned mentioned a couple times that Ohio State was on the greatest scoring streak of any Ohio State team ever in scoring margin. It was 292 after seven games. Add another 31 to that. You get, what, 221? Or 321. Ohio State now is on the single greatest eight-game stretch of any Ohio State team in history. 
That's not hyperbole. That's not an exaggeration. That's not being overly optimistic or you know putting on those scarlet colored glasses that I talked about. This team is really good. It's okay to say it. It's okay if this is what the analytics are telling us. There's no reason to try to imagine weaknesses that aren't there or doomsday scenarios where, oh my goodness, this if this doesn't get corrected, they're going to lose. That's not to say that this is a perfect team. I don't think there are any discernible weaknesses. If there is one area that I would point to that should probably get a little bit better, it's pass protection. I don't think Ohio State protected fields as well as they could have on Saturday. I think the sack rate is a little high. Some of that is the line, not picking up blitzes and stunts, not just protecting as good as they can. And some of it is fields not recognizing the pressure soon enough. As as good and remarkable as he has been escaping pressure, that is the one area that I think can get better for Ohio State. The other area that I point to is what Joel Klatt mentioned on Saturday, and that's the lack of a bona fide backup quarterback in the event that Fields gets hurt, which he did get hurt on Saturday. It was minor. He went to the injury tent, came back in the game, looked like probably a back bruise. No doctor, but that's what it looked like, the way he was grimacing, especially when he came back and got hurt again after he fell on his back. So you hold your breath when Justin Fields goes down and grimaces. You hope he, he makes it because that's that's Ohio State's national championship possibility right there. That could go down the drain at any time, any moment. This isn't like 2014 when JT Barrett gets hurt. Actually, you go back earlier in the year when Braxton Miller gets hurt and JT Barrett takes over, and then JT Barrett gets hurt against Michigan, and Cardell Jones comes in, finishes off Michigan, wins the Big Ten championship in convincing fashion over Wisconsin, and then Ohio State goes on that playoff run. It's not like that. You know, if, if Justin Fields goes down, that's probably Ohio State's season, at least for the major goals. So those are the things I look at. Pass protection can be better, and you got to keep Justin Fields healthy. I think the bye week, along with Maryland and Rutgers together, you don't do anything that overly exposes Fields to extra injury risk. Against Maryland and Rutgers, I think you run just base concepts. You be very conservative as far as not a lot of designed runs. Just let him throw the ball, run the ball, but don't have him run the ball, not by design. That's important because you go into those Penn State-Michigan games, and I'm going to talk about Penn State-Michigan coming up here in a few minutes because I, I think they're worth talking about, especially Michigan. you got to give Michigan credit, and I'll talk more about that. The Wolverines suddenly look legit. Not a great offense by any stretch of the imagination, but they're playing a lot better than they were. So Ohio State historically is good to ballpark this. It's not just what they've done relative to Ohio State history, but using college football reference, the... Simple rating system, which is as simple as the name sounds. Going back to 1975, which is the first year that the NCAA instituted a scholarship limit for college football, because it used to be you could have 100, 200, 300 players on your roster. And, and sometimes teams did. But in 1975, with a combination of Title IX, with the 
you know, the financial aspect, wanting to provide equal opportunities in terms of scholarships for men and women. That combination with the lack of parity in college football led the NCAA to institute a 105 scholarship limit, later reduced to 95, later reduced to 85 in 1992, and that's where we've been sitting since. So since 1975, the simple rating system, which is basically just adjusted scoring margin, it's, it's margin of victory adjusted to all of the opponents you've played. It goes through a series of adjustments all the way down until you, you start getting uh, you know, basically minimal returns. And then it's, it's configured for points above and below average. This Ohio State team is 31 points above average. The next closest, by the way, Alabama and Clemson at 22. That's to say, if you configured a theoretical betting line, Ohio State against Alabama or Clemson, they would be a nine-point favorite. That 31 points, by the way, for Ohio State is the single best by four points over the next best team since 1975. 1995 Nebraska is the next closest at 27 points above average. Ohio State is four points above average more than any team in college football in the last 45 seasons. So when I say this is a historically good team, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not being a rah-rah, go Buckeyes type of guy. I'm just telling you what the facts say. And the facts say this team is passing the eye test. It's passing the analytics. And for the AP and coaches to have them three and four respectively is kind of a slap in the face especially the coaches having them number four. What are you watching when you watch this Ohio State team to conclude that it's the fourth best team in the country right now? I've been watching a lot of football. I'm not saying Bama's not good. I'm not saying LSU's not good. Clemson is finally playing better. I'm not saying those teams aren't good, but Ohio State is on another level right now. They don't have discernible weaknesses. They are a complete football team. They are a great offense and a Really good defense. That's what I'm going to ca- talk about next. We're going to get into the defense, just how good Chase Young is. And then later in the show, we'll talk a little bit of Big Ten. What's up for Ohio State? What they have coming down the line? Do I think that these other teams can give Ohio State a game? Seeing as how Ohio State is a total juggernaut right now. We'll get into that here in just a minute. Lockdown Buckeyes continue to grow as a must-listen among Ohio State sports fans. There's room for you to grow your business with us by taking advantage of competitive sponsorship rates and concentrated demographics. Please email LockedOnBuckeyes at gmail.com to learn more about how Locked on Buckeyes podcast can benefit you. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or... We avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or, sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it tonight. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan, If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. 
Just go to GetRoman.com slash locked and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it right away. Just go to GetRoman.com slash locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash locked for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash locked. When we talk about the greatness of this Ohio State team, and I, I discussed the offense a little bit in the first segment, Justin Fields, of course, growing before our eyes, the most talented quarterback ever to play at Ohio State, not the best, the most talented, still a ways to go before he's the best, although he's catching up with some of the familiar names. He's catching up with the JT Barretts, the Dwayne Haskins, the Braxton Millers, the Joe Germains, the Bobby Hoyings. Uh, he, he may be past many of those guys already, uh, but he's catching up with the ones that he, if he's not ahead of them, he's catching up very, very quickly. The run game offensively on another level, never seen a run game at Ohio State be this good and this consistent. 2014, yes, we know. Ezekiel Elliott was amazing at the end of the year. Ohio State was blowing people off the ball at the end of the season, but that Run game was a little inconsistent earlier in the year. It took them a long time to gel. This Ohio State football team has been blowing people off the ball all year long. J.K. Dobbins is playing the best of any running back in the country, arguably. I don't know that he's going to have the best pro career, but I'll tell you what. He is A, hitting holes, B, exploding through them, He's finding them and exploding through them. He's getting to the second level of the defense. He's breaking tackles. And when he gets into the second level, he's not only making moves to bust it out into space, but he's outrunning the defense. As a sophomore, he did not finish runs very well. He was getting caught from behind on the rare occasion he even got into the second level. He didn't find holes last year. He really didn't. But he's finding them now, and he's finishing runs off when he does. But that's not the defense. Okay, the offense is really, really good. We, we thought and, and hoped and expected, maybe even expected, that the offense was going to be good this year. But coming off of last season's disaster, where the defense gave up, what was it, 30-some plays of 30 yards or more? I think it was 39 plays of 30 yards or more last year. Unheard of for an Ohio State defense. They gave up a lot of big plays. They were very, very inconsistent. They got better late last year, but it wasn't good enough. Certainly the performance against Purdue cost them a chance at a national title. Maybe they should have still been in over Oklahoma. I still believe they should have, but that's crying over spilled milk at this point. But the defense was not good last year, and it wasn't for a lack of talent. That's not to say it was all coaching. Some people just think it was only bad coaching. I think... You have to hold the players on the field responsible as well. But the coaching could have been better. The actual talent on the field could have been better. They could have played much better. But this year, you get a new defense. Not a new defense as far as personnel, but a new defense as far as leadership. You bring in Greg Madison, Jeff Hathley, Al Washington from that team up north. And suddenly, everything looks different. They're simplifying things. 
players are reacting. They are playing so much better at a higher level. They're making tackles. They're getting pressure up front. They're gang tackling, rushing to the ball. They are not getting beat in pass coverage almost ever. The combination of the zone and the man that they're they're kind of rotating between has been pure genius in its simplicity. And this defense is just, it is the best defense in the country. It's giving up 3.4 yards per play, which is number one in the country. It's giving up 225 yards per game, 224 to be exact. That's number one in the country. They're giving up 7.9 points per game. That's number one in the country. They're the number one red, red zone defense. They're now the number one run defense. They're now the number one pass defense. This defense is scary good. And it starts up front with Chase Young, the predator. Chase Young has become the best defensive end in Ohio State football history. That is saying a mouthful, especially on a Sunday, where as I record this, Nick Bosa just went off for four tackles, four tackles for loss, three sacks, and a 46-yard interception return. Didn't go for touchdown. He got tackled inside the five-yard line. Missed it by that much. Remember Max Maxwell Smart from Get Smart? Missed it by that much, Chief. Loved that show. Watched, that, watched reruns growing up. My dad loved it. Great show. Funny comedy. But Nick Bosa, I mean, just had a monster day. He's got seven sacks in his first seven career NFL games. And Joey Bosa... Alonzo Spellman, Will Smith, Sam Hubbard, Jalen Holmes. You can go down the line of so many great defensive ends at Ohio State. But Chase Young is better than all of them. Chase Young right now, through eight games, 15.5 tackles for loss, 13.5 sacks, five forced fumbles. Compare that to some of the greatest defensive ends that come out of college this decade. The ones that were top 10 picks. The Bosa's. Jadavion Clowney. Bradley Chubb, Miles Garrett. You look at the guys that have come out of the NFL, even in their best seasons, some of them aren't even, some of them statistically are already behind where Chase Young is in eight games. He is a monster. He's a predator. The guy is the best defensive end I have ever seen at Ohio State. Now, I don't think he's as good of a run stopper as any of the Bosa's, but that's nitpicking because. The way he is affecting plays behind the line of scrimmage right now. Wisconsin had an identity crisis on Saturday because they didn't know how to block him. They tried chipping him a couple times, double teaming. It didn't really work. They tried single coverage. It didn't work. They tried a couple of screen passes where they just let him come in on the quarterback unabated. That didn't work. That was a disaster. I, I get what they were trying to do. They were hoping to take him out of the play where they could get the screen off. And then he'd be out of the play so he couldn't make the tackle. But he's so athletic and so big, he got to the quarterback and completely disrupted the screen. They tried blocking with tight ends. Didn't work. There was nothing they could do to stop Chase Young. And it's almost like they wanted to try everything, hoping that in one or two plays, something would stick and they could stick with it. It just didn't happen. He had the single greatest game I have seen from an Ohio State defensive lineman in my lifetime. Again, these things are not hyperbole. 
they're not recency bias. They're not prisoners of the moment. And this is real, folks. You've got an Ohio State team that has the best defensive line in the country and the best secondary in the country and a linebacking core that maybe it's not the best in the country by any stretch of the imagination, but it's above average and it plays really well to what they're doing in front and behind. And then when you add in the run game that is beating people down and wearing people down, they wore Michigan State down. By Mark D'Antonio's own admission, they wore Michigan State down and they wore Wisconsin down. Two of the best defenses in the country. Michigan State may not be on Wisconsin's level, but it's up there. Two of the best defenses in the country and Ohio State has worn them down offensively. And then you have this defense that is, it's just great everywhere. It is the most complete defense Ohio State has had in a long, long time. Maybe ever. I don't know. I'm not ready to go that far just yet with it. I think the the sum of the parts, the whole Ohio State team as a whole, I think it may be the best Ohio State team I've ever seen. As I said earlier, the defense specifically, I'm not ready to say say it's the best defense because we've seen a lot of good silver bullet defenses. 2014, 2002 was really, really good. 1998 was really good. We've seen some great defenses. I'm not ready to say this is the best defense, but it is it is quickly going into the conversation, and I think it's something we're going to continue to talk about the rest of the year. But Ohio State, Chase Young, in my opinion, finally ready to say it, past the Bosa's. Hit me up at KYLAM8. Curious your thoughts on this. Is Chase Young the best defensive end or even the best defensive player as a whole? that Ohio State has ever seen. Hit me up on Twitter. I'd love to hear it. Message us, locked on Buckeye. That's singular. We'd love to hear from you there. Of course, you can catch me on my other podcasts, Unscripted Ohio Network. Love for you to keep following us on there. But you can hear us, locked on Buckeyes, five days a week. We are on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Pretty much all the third-party platforms, your whatever your favorite podcasting platform is, we're there. In the final segment, we're going to talk more about the Big Ten. Is Minnesota for real? Should you finally start being a little bit concerned about Michigan? They're coming on strong. And, of course, Penn State. We'll talk about the Big Ten and what to watch for here to wrap up the season. We'll be back in just a sec. So before I pay off on my tease about Minnesota, because I I think Minnesota is legit. Now, I'm not ready to predict they're going to beat Wisconsin or Penn State just yet, but I do think they're legit. I'm going to explain why here in a minute. Before I talk about Minnesota, I do want to get into Michigan. I don't know if you watched Michigan against Notre Dame. I assume many of you did. It was an ugly game in the rain, pouring down rain, worse than what we saw in Columbus on Saturday with Ohio State, Wisconsin. Michigan just tore Notre Dame to shreds, and they did it really in the most unconventional way in that it was just pure physicality. They just were tougher and bigger and stronger and better up front than Notre Dame on both sides of the ball. And that surprised me a little bit. Not from a standpoint that Notre Dame is really good, because I tell you what, Michigan exposed a huge flaw in Notre Dame. Georgia showed it a little bit, but Notre Dame really was exposed by Michigan within their lack of speed and athletes. 
And I know this was a problem last year because a lot of people felt that Notre Dame, despite being undefeated, was not one of the four best teams in college football. Now, you give them a pass because they won all their games, so nobody's going to argue for them not being in the playoff in that situation. But it was apparent all year last year they were not one of the four best teams. They certainly did not look at against Clemson. They they don't have playmakers. They don't have a lot of athletes. That got readily exposed again on Saturday against Michigan. That being said, you you have to credit Michigan, regardless of whether Notre Dame's overrated or a top 10 team or not. Michigan looked very good. This defense is for real, I think. They had a rough first half against Penn State, but they really rebounded. Some of that was Penn State, I think, taking their foot off the gas pedal just a little bit. And some of it was Michigan having a very good run defense, a good secondary. They were getting a lot of pressure, really disrupting Notre Dame on the offensive line of scrimmage. On the other side of the ball, Michigan does not have an offense that is going to intimidate you, especially if you're a fan of Ohio State. You're not going to go into the game being, you know, being intimidated by Shea Patterson. He is a, I said it when he transferred from Ole Miss to Michigan, and I said this and everybody criticized me for it, and I'm feeling very good about it. He is basically Wilton Spate. He's just a little bit better runner. And even in Ole Miss, everybody was talking about how great a runner he is, but he didn't run that much. He wasn't that effective of a runner, and he's still not. Probably underutilized by both both programs. I think Michigan would be better off running him more, but they just don't. But nonetheless, he's just a little bit more athletic version of Wilton Spate. He's not going to strike fear into the heart of opposing defensive coordinators trying to game plan for Michigan. His, he is a one-trick pony as a passer right now. And that one trick is a very good one that they underutilize in that throw the ball up, it's a rainbow, it can be a lollipop, whatever. But Nico Collins is going to go get it because Nico Collins is one of the best sure-handed receivers in the country right now. But that's all that Michigan does in terms of the pass game. But they were finally running the ball Haskins looked really good. Zach Charbonnet looks healthy again. You remember my report on him. Everybody didn't want to admit it, but he was injured. He looks better now, though. He really does. He's running hard. I love him as a runner. He's a good runner. And they're blocking better. They're, they're getting better as an offensive line. Their run game is coming around. Now, whether or not that's going to be good enough to beat Ohio State, that's a different conversation, and we'll have that next month. There's not no reason for us to really go that far down the road just yet. But I like what Michigan is doing defensively. The run game looked a lot better. It looked better in the second half against Penn State as well. So I don't think that that's just a one-time thing. I still don't have any fear for the Michigan wide receivers because outside of Ronnie Bell, they don't have a lot of playmakers. They don't have guys that are going to make you miss. It's really just a matter of they've got good Physical receivers with great hand-eye coordination. And that's what Michigan is right now. But they are an up-and-coming team. They should be taken lightly. Do not make the mistake. Do not go down the road of getting lulled into a false sense of security because of how well Ohio State has played, because of their dominance over Michigan, because of how bad they beat Michigan last year, and because of how Michigan struggled to start the season. Michigan is probably going to be a tough game. 
We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But just don't get ahead of yourselves just yet. The Wolverines, you know, their their tombstone has written for 2019 just yet. They're going to be a tough out. Penn State's going to be a tough out. We know that. Penn State will probably be undefeated going into the Ohio State game. But November 9 is looming large. Potentially, we're talking about undefeated Penn State, undefeated Minnesota. That's That's going to be the undercard of the day for LSU-Alabama, which is also November 9th. Penn State-Minnesota will probably be a big noon kickoff, Fox at noon. I think that's going to be a great game. I'm still picking Penn State until I see otherwise. But that leads us into our next conversation as we close the show. Is Minnesota for real? Yes, they are. When I say they are for real, I'm not saying they're a top 10 team just yet, but I'm saying they are a very good football team. Don't be, uh, don't be tricked by how they started the season against South Dakota State, Fresno State, Georgia Southern, etc. I know they started out having a lot of close calls against some so-so teams, but they have really been playing a lot better. You look at their Big Ten schedule, and I know we're talking the bottom half of the league that they've played so far. Let's not try to sugarcoat this. They're playing bad teams within the Big Ten. Purdue, Illinois, Nebraska, Maryland, Rutgers. Okay, those are the five games that they've had to this point. But while they are playing bad teams, don't go down the road. I hate when people do this. Please don't go down the road of saying they haven't played anybody. That's true, but in those five games, which those five, by the way, in simple rating system, they combine on an average of like five points below average nationally out of 130 teams. They're about five points below average. So these are these five are bad teams. Let's not get let's not get that wrong. But Minnesota has beat those five by a combined four touchdowns on average. They're averaging 27 points in their margin of victory in those five Big Ten games. Folks, that's pretty good. Okay, you know, a, a mediocre team or a bad team can get lucky once in a while, have a good day, and beat up on another bad team. That happens sometimes. But when you start getting to the, the point of five games within your league and you're averaging winning by four touchdowns, even if they're bad teams, you're probably pretty good because bad teams don't beat up on other bad teams with regularity. Good teams do that. Bad teams do not. Bad teams might beat you by 21 one week and then play another bad team and lose by seven the next or win by three. So Minnesota, you got to give them credit. They are taking care of business, TCOB. They're a good Big Ten team. Do I think that they're going to beat Penn State? No. Do I think they're going to beat Wisconsin? No. I'm 50-50 on the Iowa game. Do I think that they can win those games? Yes, and I think that they are good. I don't think they're a top 10 team, but I think they're knocking on the door being top 15 for sure. So it'll be interesting to watch Minnesota-Penn State. I think Michigan is coming on. The West is going to be interesting between Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin over the last month of the season. If Ohio State takes care of business, of course, it's going to win the East. As long as it doesn't lose to Penn State, then Ohio State is a lock for Indianapolis. We'll see who comes out of the West We'll talk more about that, of course, in upcoming weeks, but that's going to do it for us. 
Make sure you check Locked On Buckeyes. We're on five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can hear us on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Of course, you can also listen to us on the Megaphone web app. Catch me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Check the show out at Locked On Buckeye Singular. That's going to do it for me. Hope everybody has a great day. We will be back on Tuesday to talk more Ohio State here on Locked On Buckeyes. Have a great one, everybody.